Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The mysterious realm of the unknown. Where many things are not as they appear to be. Tonight, the KGRA Digital Broadcast Network takes you to the often overlapping worlds of science and unexplained phenomena, which bring us to the very edge, edge, edge of reality. And now, here's the man who brought UFOs to the United Nations, your host and guide into Edge of Reality Radio, Lee Spiegel. Welcome, everyone. You have once again crossed over the line and into Edge of Reality Radio on the KGRA Digital Broadcast Network. I'm Lee Spiegel, host of these proceedings, always from an undisclosed location somewhere in North America. Regular listeners to this program often hear me mention how it would be great if more scientists and countries could find a way to come out of the shadows of closed-mindedness and ridicule and finally take a serious look at the whole UFO, UAP subject. And I'm not suggesting this should only happen in the United States. This ought to take place throughout the world. Why? Because thousands, I mean, UFOs have been around and reported for tens of thousands of years. Yeah, people have reported these strange technologically superior objects for a very, very long time. From very early on, when humans first drew or painted images on rock walls, they became the first media reporters of unexplained vehicles in our skies. For the past 115 years, the masthead on the front page of the famous newspaper, the New York Times, has cried out for everybody to see, the quote is always up there on the front page, all the news that's fit to print. It's been called the most famous seven words in American journalism. You know, reporters, they go out every day to get stories, report on what they've seen. And I think the New York Times may have borrowed that idea of all the news that's fit to print from early artists who would go out from their caves on daily hunts and return home to those caves and report their news to the rest of the population. They would leave their marks and drawings on those cave walls to be much later discovered, thousands of years later. And as the New York Times reports on all the news that's fit to print, our creative ancestors reported on, are you ready? Here it comes, all the news that's fit to paint. So with regard to the reporting of UFOs throughout history, I don't think much has changed from either painting these things or printing them. And and it's not an issue for any one country. Over the past few years, the American government and other countries have begun 
demonstrating some transparency about UFOs. This is good, but it needs to pick up the pace a little bit. My guest tonight is a man who has spent many decades at the center of UFO research everywhere. Jacques Vallée is an astrophysicist, astronomer, and computer scientist who has written many books about high technology and unidentified phenomena. He's always been intrigued by and focused on the similarities among many cultures of the patterns between modern sightings and historical reports of close encounters with flying objects and their occupants. Among his important achievements, I think, was the day in 1978 when he spoke to the United Nations about the global nature of UFOs. Uh, Jacques' website is www.jacquesvalet.net. And don't worry, I'll give that out again later. Jacques, welcome back to Edge of Reality Radio, sir. Thank you, Lee. It's always, uh, always a pleasure. Well, and for me too, just to hear just to hear that voice, we could do a four-hour interview, and I'd never run out of things to talk to you about. <laughs> now, I, it's, I, a big, I, it's a big subject, and it's changing, so yes, it, it never repeats itself. Uh, and you know, and I had just mentioned this thing of your many uh, accomplishments and achievements, and I would like to start by having you tell us what you were involved with last week at Rice University in Houston. I, I, I looked them up, and I know that Rice is a private research university, and I like the way they refer to themselves on their website. And this is a quote, folks. From their website, it says, Rice is a community of curious thinkers, passionate dreamers, and energetic doers who believe that improving the world demands more than bold thought and brave action. It takes unconventional wisdom, unquote. And as soon as I read that about the university, Jacques, I immediately thought of you. It, it, it sounded like they were describing you and not the university. <laughs> so, well, so, there is quite a community there that would fit that, uh, that quote. And uh, I've uh, interacted with them for several years. Mm -hmm. um, the, within the School of Humanities, there is a, um, a department of religion, which is very, uh, very wide, uh, wide open to uh, many trends and currents and, and research. Um, it's uh, headed up by uh, Dr. Jeff Kripal, who comes from, um, well, he comes from many, many traditions that he has studied, uh, including, uh, including in India. But he um, uh, has published several books at the University of Chicago, where he trained under really the, the leaders of uh, religious research thinking in America. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's uh, head of the uh, Department of Religion, and he's now a, an associate dean at Rice. So we've interacted uh, for several years, for many years. He's very, uh, very well acquainted with the UFO research community, and uh, has came came to um, my place in San Francisco some years ago. And in in the discussion, just to actually just to 
to go through my library and see what I was what I was hiding. Mm. And uh, we had we developed a, a friendship. And I asked him, you know, uh, I'm uh, I'm 82 now, and I I have a number of um, research papers and things that are uh, that I don't know if you would believe that, but I have not. Um, completely solved all of all of the problems myself. <laughs> you you haven't solved them all. No, no, there are still <laughs> a few, you know, left okay. for the students. So uh, I was telling Jeff, you know, uh, my main concern was what to do with my papers and my, uh, you know, selected papers that really should be uh, should be housed somewhere where people can work on them, not not just to preserve them, uh, like you know, putting it in the basement of uh, Stanford University or something right. where nobody will touch them, but in in a working environment. And uh, that that triggered uh, his thoughts and a number of other people, and and uh, they invited me to uh, house that those collections, which are still still growing, still expanding, and uh, curated um, at at Rice University, and that has created something of a. Um, of a catastrophe, uh, because a number of other people have uh, now that there is a framework for preserving, curating collections on UFOs and related subjects. A number of of people have uh, followed suit. So the the next collection is uh, that of Whitley Strieber, his extraordinary collection of letters. As you may remember, Communion was a a bestseller, New York Times bestseller for many, many months. And uh, he he got uh, literally tens of thousands of letters. uh, And his wife and he uh, went through them and selected the most, the ones that had the most information. And they are now at Rice and um, being studied and being cataloged, being indexed. Um, Brenda Denzler has a collection. Uh, she's a, a, a researcher, has published uh, a scholarly book as her PhD uh, on uh, abduction and regression, hypnotic regression, and, and the history of, of that, uh, that part of the field. And her collections are now at Rice, uh, Ed May. Uh, who directed uh, the SRI uh, remote viewing program, the parapsychology program, after Dr. Putoff and Dr. Targ, and continued it at SAIC. Um, in fact, he was there, you know, uh, this weekend. He was there a few days ago. And Larry Bryan, Stanley Krippner, Dick Haynes, of course, who the uh, NASA... Uh, expert who uh, has uh, for a long time researched um, research cases, I, I, no, aerospace and, and uh, uh, aircraft and pilots. Cases. Yes. yes. Um, Stuart Alexander, uh, Karen Everett, Barbara Hubbard, um, and uh, Paula Harris, who is now sending her um, her research uh, papers to. To rise. I'm curious. There be, yes, there will well, be many oh, more. 
with with all of these people who are submitting their materials and and I'm I'm assuming of course that there will be Jacques Vallée material that will go to Rice University as well did, did it at any point did it did it occur to you that suddenly here is a university um a very big university that prides itself on research that a university is actually showing some interest in the abduction part of UFOs. That's almost a new thing to me. Well, they are um, interested in everything, including uh, parapsychology, including uh, um, remote viewing, uh, and, and so on. Uh, uh, my, I, I have already sent uh, indexed, fully indexed, uh, boxes of cases mm. uh, eventually there will be you know, cases that I've researched myself uh, that includes also a section on correspondence with about 700 people over 50 years mm. uh, extensive correspondence with Amy Michel uh, extensive correspondence with uh, Dr. Heineck of course which I've indexed I've indexed you know I've summarized every every letter uh, so that, uh, and what is unique about Rice is that there is a cadre. Of course, there are you know librarians in in the library uh, uh, keeping all this, making sure it's it's classified, and I mean classified in the sense of you know indexed and um, right. in in the proper order and safe and so on, uh, safe from fire, floods, and everything else, uh, and protected. Uh, but there is also a team of of indexers and bibliographic researchers at Rice, which is very unusual. It, it, it's not just that uh, the, you know we put it alongside all the all the other books and all the other papers. That this is uh, searchable. This is so uh, so far. Uh, I don't know how many boxes I have uh, <laughs> sent there, but it must be. Uh, about fifty, about fifty boxes worth, and of course they will reorganize it according to their. But it's uh, it's fully indexed, so uh, that was the beginning of you know, the <laughs> the creation of the black hole, and now the black hole is attracting uh, uh, all kinds of other debris floating yeah. <laughs> around. Well, so this will be protected. There, yeah. there are other great collections, you know, in in the world. Uh, the uh, there was the the creator of the collection in uh, Sweden was there, and of course they they have an enormous uh, amount of data, mostly popular a popular magazine, enormous collection of books, uh, sightings from Sweden, but also you know Scandinavia throughout Europe and yeah. all the collections of the Flying Saucer Review and. And so on, and uh, so they are expanding. This is based on volunteers, uh, and uh, they are doing, you know, a wonderful job. So uh, he was there for the for the meeting. The the meeting itself was held at Rice, face to face, uh, with the usual, you know, precautions. Uh, there were about 170 people there, uh, including, uh, you know, Dr. Ed May from SRI and. Uh, SAIC from the classified uh, remote viewing program, uh, and uh, Whitley Strieber was there, uh, and, and so on. 
the um, uh, and there were over they they tell me over twelve hundred people online attending the wow. the sessions remotely. So I think all that will be will be published. So in my I, I uh, gave an, an an introduction uh, that uh, I, I think will be published and uh, you know will be on the web as well. So it was. I think people went away thinking that uh, this was amazing. Now, the one uh, uh, great to answer your question. I'm not evading your questions, Lee. Okay. Uh, I never do. I never do. As you know that. <laughs> I know. Been like that for a long time. <laughs> so, uh, but the 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 reason uh, they you know rice can go into things like abductions and yeah. psychology and so on, yeah. is that this is a department of religion. So, uh, you know, they, they don't have, um, uh, you know, they, they don't have uh, anything in the fight, you know. They don't have a dog in the fight about the physics, mm -hmm. whether that's uh, all illusions, maybe it's all miracles, you know, maybe it's all whatever, you know, but who cares? To them, it's it's in a different the, the methodology, the template that uh, the Department of Religion applies to stories and reports and human testimony like that is uh, universal. Well, I appreciate I mean, they, that. You know, yeah. they also deal with miracles. I mean, you know, uh, the Virgin Mary. So, uh, and they have no preconceived judgment about the physicality of it. Uh, it's it's interesting, but it's not uh, it's not dogmatic. Well, that's that's a fresh way of looking at it, and and I know that you've done your own studies about things that people have reported going back historically uh, for for many generations, and and I want to get into that uh, in just a little bit. But I, I'm curious. I'm among the things that you. Uh, have already given to Rice. I'm curious about, and I don't even know if most people are even aware that you are among the millions of citizens on Earth who have had your own UFO experience. Now, is your experience part of the information that's going to Rice? And and tell us about that experience. Well, uh, not yet, because uh, there are a few files uh, that I'm still working with hmm. and uh, of course personal pers some of, of the my personal research files uh, I'm, I'm still um, curating if you if you want sure uh, trying to uh, eventually get more information uh, it it may happen that new information comes to comes to light 20 years 30 years later in fact in uh, going through the, the index and the, the summary of the uh, of the collections in Sweden, I found some things that are directly relevant to the research um, I'm I'm doing, um, you know, with um, uh, with uh, people at Stanford uh, on materials. So uh, hmm. they because they have materials that. Uh, resemble the the composition, the chemical composition we've been studying 
um, with my colleagues at Stanford. So, uh, you know, it never stops. <laughs> it's always uh, always something new. So uh, I think the, uh, I'm I'm bringing back some some data for to to uh, show to Dr. Nolan, uh, to Dr. Gary Nolan. Mm-hmm. As you know, we've published mm-hmm. the really the first scientific paper in a major review major review with uh, uh, referees, you know, with a, a, a committee, a selection committee of scientists. It's taken us four years, but it's now published. So we're hoping that this will, and it's about the Council Bluffs case in Iowa of 1978, which I've, I've written about, but somehow the UFO community never uh, never seem to be aware of that case because it's not it wasn't reported, you know, uh, to NICAP or to any of the the groups at the time. It's an it's an outstanding case in terms of methodology. So we now have, thanks to uh, Dr. Nolan and and his team and his instruments, we've been able to do the the isotope analysis of the metal that was there. But similar metals, very close composition, have been found in other places, and I'm I'm now aware of it. Uh, and so we're we're going to again pick it up from a different direction. All right. So well, that's, and that's how research works, you know. Well, and the thing I want to do because I, I have some more questions for you about the the materials. Um, but I, are you reticent to even describe? your own personal UFO encounter from many years ago, I understand. Well, I, I think, you know, people, I've written, I've written about it and uh, people will, I don't want to repeat myself, you know, people have probably heard, heard of at least the, uh, you know, the, the main, the main thrust of it. This was uh, in 1955. So, I, you know, I was uh, about 15, a little over 15 of uh, studying at uh, in a, t- a town where I grew up called Pontoise, which is a suburb of Paris on, mm-hmm. on the way to Normandy. Uh, charming little town, and uh, not so little anymore. <laughs> and uh, a bright, bright afternoon, I was on vacation. My mother was working in the yard. We had flowers and a lawn and everything else, and, and uh, trees, and... And uh, she called uh, called out that there was uh, something unusual in the sky. I was working with my father, helping him uh, uh, make some uh, some simple furniture. Uh, you know, he was it was sort of his hobby uh, uh, during you know this holiday. So I rushed downstairs, uh, went into the garden, saw the thing. And it was your perfect flying saucer. I mean, it was a, a bright, again bright afternoon, no wind, blue sky, uh, mid afternoon, uh, the the sun reflecting on a disc that was motionless. Uh, there, it wasn't, you know, there was no um, cloud around it. There was no trail. There was no none of that. It was uh, apparently very stable. Uh, I could locate it exactly because it seemed to be over, in the perspective, was over the uh, the, the church, with the cathedral right. in in Pontoise, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Gothic, uh, Gothic cathedral, and uh, there was a, a sort of 
dome, a little glass, glassy dome on top. And then, you know, we saw that the next day. I um, I described that to a friend of mine whose house was up the hill another half kilometer away. And I think I was about half a kilometer from that object if it was in the neighborhood of the church. And he said he had seen the same thing and had gotten his binoculars. So I asked him to draw it, and what he drew was exactly what I had seen. So there was no... My father was... Um, uh, was a judge, very experienced to uh, human testimony, had been at war, had been was you know was uh, familiar with military you know equipment and, and all that. Told us that this was probably one of the new prototypes of um, aircraft. Uh, yeah. And in, those were the early days of the jets, you know, the the, the jet fighters and so on. I mean, yeah. Uh, and, they, and they were, be, we were beginning to see them more and more often in the sky. So, but this was not a jet. Uh, this would have been something completely different. It was silent, <laughs> and it was motionless, and then it moved away. See, I, and that's what I call your classic flying saucer encounter. <laughs> I mean, well, right, right, right not, to the dome. What's not classic is what went through my mind at the time. Oh. Uh, and that stays stayed with me. And, you know, many people describe that thing, you know. And, and, and now I, I always make the point of asking the question of people who have had, you know, this was not a close encounter, but it was close enough to see, uh, to see it well. Yeah. And... Uh, the thing that stayed with me was I would be ashamed of being human if I didn't try to find out what that was. Ah. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, and and is that, for is, is a while, that... I was, you know, uh, I mean, the the, the prestige and reputation of my father was, well, you know, we're going to find out there was this prototype of extraordinary uh, capability, uh, and then that never happened. I mean, here we are. <laughs> I don't need to tell you how many years later, and we don't have anything that does that. And, and you're still probably asking the same questions. Yes, I will. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I will. And, uh, you know, that's, um, so that has, after that, you know, I didn't need the arguments with 
you know, skeptics and the arguments with all the people who have their own theory about what it is, and they demand that you buy into their theory and so on. Right. I, I, I don't really engage in much of that because I, I have that one um, uh, you know, uh, proof uh, to myself that there is something there. Now, the, the question is that's open is what, um, what does it mean? Uh, what does it mean that it's seen, that it has been seen by by so many people? And, you know, one thing I've never understood about yeah. ufology is people, there are many people who say, well, you know, it's a, it's a secret thing. You know, they are hiding, you know, in, uh, what, what what's hiding? I mean, we, as you said, we have millions of millions of people have seen them. Yep. Uh, the the latest database that I worked on for the classified uh, uh, ATIP project, uh, you know, we ended up at something like two hundred and two hundred thousand cases, and uh, unfortunately, you know, as far as I know, it's still classified. Okay, but, well, uh, and let me at see. least uh, you know we we know the numbers. And the numbers are telling me we're coming up on our first break here. So I am talking with Jacques Vallée. And when we come back, I'm going to get into a little bit of the metamaterials that he started to talk about a little while ago. I'm Lee Spiegel on Edge of Reality Radio, and we'll be right back. When you're in the house for longer periods of time, you can see them flying or running across the floor. Ooh, yuck. They're unhealthy, gross, and disgusting. Bugs. I loathe bugs. We keep a clean home, but occasionally bugs show up. Well, I found something that is tougher than bugs. Orange Guard. On contact, it kills hidden bugs, including ants, roaches, and fleas. Plus, Orange Guard is a residual repellent. All of the ingredients of Orange Guard are on the FDA generally recognized as safe list. Orange Guard may be used around food, humans, and pets. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Orange Guard, available at orangeguard.com, Whole Foods, and Ace Hardware. Okay, nurse, let's get this man to the ER, stat. Right away, doctor. We see this every day. Heart attack or angina pain due to blocked and clogged arteries. Chelation can remove obstructions or blockages from arteries and help avoid painful and expensive surgery. Now there's Angioprim. It's a liquid oral chelation product that you take with juice. You start to feel the results fast. Angioprim increases blood flow all over the body, and that means more energy and strength to take on the day with less aches and pains. 60 years of research has gone into chelation, and Angioprim is the result. A safe and easy way to unblock your veins and arteries from buildup that slow circulation. Paging Dr. Jones, please report to the emergency room right away. Log on now to angioprim.com. That's A-N-G-I-O-P-R-I-M.com. Or to speak with a trained consultant, give Angioprim a call at 954-882-7221. That's 954-882-7221. Folks, this is very important information. What's to be said about CBD? AncientLifeOil.com Our CBD is made from hemp and has 0.003 THC, which means this wonderful product won't get you high. No matter what amount you take, what does CBD do for the body? 
My hands are tied. But you can Google CBD benefits and be astounded. When you're finished reading, you'll want to log on to ancientlifeoil.com. That's ancientlifeoil.com and purchase. Life is good when you feel good. People are tired of pain. People are asking for non-GMO organic products to help them with you fill in the blank. Legal in 49 states, and again, our CBD is made from hemp. Ancient Life Oil is about helping people one by one by one. If you wonder how good the product is, the CEO takes it every day without miss. AncientLifeOil.com. That's AncientLifeOil.com. Have a great day. Are you searching for the best in alternative talk? KGRA Digital Broadcasting has what you're looking for. Our diverse lineup of shows cover the latest national news and trending global issues. We will keep you informed. KGRADB.com is your number one source for alternative talk on the planet. Make contact, stay connected. KGRADB.com. Your official contact for the best alternative talk on the planet. KGRADB.com. You're back on Edge of Reality Radio. I'm Lee Spiegel on KGRADB.com. My guest is Dr. Jacques Vallée. And Jacques, I, I know you've been around the world over many years investigating cases of reported UFO crashes that allegedly left material or debris behind. And a few years ago, uh, when you and I were working on the James Fox documentary called The Phenomenon, you invited us into a special laboratory in Silicon Valley where we were allowed to see some very cutting-edge technology that's been used by Gary Nolan there, to, to, to looking deep into the atomic level of possible UFO debris. I remember how amazed I felt when you let me hold one of those canisters that contained several pieces of, of alleged UFO material gathered from different places on Earth. And so if we fast forward to now, because that was several years ago, to your scientific satisfaction, have you determined, have you or Gary, have, have you determined if any of these pieces, whether they came from any place other than Earth, does any UFO-related material point, even the, 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 the slightest bit, to an extraterrestrial origin? So uh, the, the quick answer is no. Okay. But, but there are, uh, it hides many uh, details. First, uh, yes, uh, Dr. Nolan uh, uses uh, those instruments. He uses them for biology, but uh, you should know that he also did develop them. So this is not just that, you know, a piece of equipment you can buy somewhere and, yeah. and use. Uh, you know, we, uh, he has not only the instrument, but the team that built it. So in, in research, that's ideal because when we, we get into things that haven't quite been done before or materials that have not been seen in that particular way before. So the fact that we have the technologists, you know, the, both um, hardware and software, 
who are working on the machine, working on developing the machine. Uh, that's uh, that's the ideal condition. Some of my samples we have we have done the isotopes before. So uh, you know, you go you you see something in the sky, it ejects it ejects something as has happened in Council Bluffs, uh, the case we published, and you pick it up and you take it to a lab and they do an analysis and it'll cost you $2,000. And you'll get, you'll get, you know, how much carbon, how much uh, uh, nickel and how much iron, how much titanium. But that, you know, I could, um, I could mix that and get to the same point so there's always a question of you know is it a hoax or is it just some industrial reject or is it so to to really understand what um, excuse me uh, to really understand what's behind it you have to look deeper in, into the structure of the of the atoms themselves and and the structure of the molecules and see um, look at the if if there are variations in the isotopes that would be different from what you expect in nature. So, the, the, so going back to your question, you know, if we find iron on Mars, which we pro- probably will mm-hmm. when we get to, to bring it back, you know, um, certainly the moon, uh, it's going to be the same iron that we've got on Earth. All that was ah. uh, created together, essentially by the cloud that was around the sun, and by the sun, when it started the you know the nuclear the nuclear reactions, it it created all those materials with fixed isotopes, and that's probably true throughout the the known universe. There 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 is uh, some variation uh, of a few percent. Uh, from one locality to another because of, uh, you know, natural radiation in that particular place. And sure, but, sure. But essentially, essentially it's fixed. Now, the, 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 there is an, another question, though. The question is, why would anybody go to the trouble of changing the isotopes? And here I'll take the example of the, the case in Ubatuba right. that has been researched also at Stanford by another professor that I've worked with, uh, Professor Peter Sturak, who is an astrophysicist, specialist of the sun and plasma. Uh, you know, most of the universe, of course, is plasma, and uh, <laughs> which is a, a fourth uh, you know, uh, form of matter. Plasma. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Well, you know, the sun is not liquid uh, or solid. Uh, you know, it or a gas. It's uh, it's really a gas at such a high temperature that it's 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 really a plasma. So, which means the the atoms and the uh, the uh, the components of the of the atoms have been, uh, you know. A, have been spread as, and they form a very, very high temperature gas, which is has almost the properties of a fluid. And uh, the, the you know the, when you get to temperatures of millions of degrees, uh, nothing is going to stay in in uh, you know nice stable form like uh, solid or liquid. So the. Um, Dr. Sturak, Professor Sturak, has done 
a, a number of analyses and has his own collection of uh, uh, objects that uh, he has uh, donated to me. So that's a collection that uh, Dr. Nolan and I are exploiting now, uh, redoing some of the analyses that Dr. Sturak did. Um, and Ubatuba is a case in Argentina for which there is very, very little material. Now, I went to Argentina and found a, a UFO museum there oh. where they they um, let me take some of they had a fairly large amount that you know the equivalent of a walnut uh, of material from two different sources um, one uh, was a, a, a researcher from from Brazil that I knew I knew very well uh, that I met personally and uh, in in Chicago in the old days when he visited me and and Dr. Heineck, and uh, he uh, he had a very small amount of material, but uh, later was uh, came across a larger amount which is in that museum. The the other sort of um, walnut size came from a different source. A sailor from Argentina, and that's why the the two samples ended up in Argentina. Hmm. So I I brought back uh, enough material. We we need tiny tiny amounts. I mean, just you know a few grams uh, is enough to do to do the isotope analysis um, because the the instruments we use are used for biology. They are used for cells. So you know even. Uh, you know, even 10 or 20 grams of material is is huge compared to, of course, uh, uh, biological, you know, biological material. So we we have enough uh, to redo that study. So that was done once before at Stanford with a different instrument that is a, a very large French uh, isotope analysis instrument that costs something like $5 million. It fills yeah. the room. It's very complex, but it only looks at four or five elements at the same at the same time. With the the instrument that Dr. Nolan's team has developed, you can look at everything. You can look across the table of elements. So we are redoing that, and uh, we'll go over and publish the results just like we published the first. I should say that. We also work with a, a team in France that has access to uh, isotope uh, analysis. They work with the French Atomic Energy Commission that has extensive laboratories and really top, you know, top-line uh, laboratories. So we are hoping to redo that uh, with them. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Because that's what you do in science, you know. You can publish whatever you want, but the scientists who are going to read your stuff are going to say, well, you know, it's very nice, and I will have somebody else redone it independently. So we are doing, you know, the, the good, good practice, good scientific practice. We're going to share our samples with other teams that have, uh, you know, there are not that many teams that can do that, okay? uh, even in, you know, in large countries, because, of, well, for one thing, it's very difficult. Another thing is the instruments are very expensive and they are used by researchers 24 hours a day. So uh, you had need to get time on the machine and everything else. Jacques, and when... Of course, we don't have the money to pay for that, so they yeah. have to find somebody who's going to let them use a machine at night and so on. So when, it's all when, fun. When I was there with you in Gary Nolan's laboratory, that was 2018. And now it's been coming up on four years later. And and I, I'm wondering, if is is it possible to analyze pieces of something that may have come from the sky and to confirm that these pieces were manufactured by someone and that they weren't created naturally. So I, I guess I'm saying, I'm feeling like I want to know now. I don't want to have to wait another four years before I... Well, we, we have know. to show, and in Council Bluffs, um, in a way, Council Bluffs is perfect because, <laughs> you know, it's a little like uh, Oumuamua. I mean, the thing is gone, okay? I mean, oh. uh, two of the witnesses saw something in the sky, but the object didn't, uh, didn't stay there. They saw essentially a, a, a cylinder with rotating rotating lights around the periphery and it flew away and it ejected this mass of material that was picked up which we have i mean we don't have we don't need the whole thing we we but we have uh, uh you know many uh, hundreds of grams of it so we we can share it with anybody we want and but it's uh there is nothing unusual about the isotopes so we, don't, we did all that study, and we did not find any discrepancy uh, in the isotopes. Which, so our paper is really a methodology paper. It says, oh. if you have a case like this, uh, this is how you validate the case. This is how you make sure that it's not a hoax. This is how you gather the testimony. Uh, we have the photographs of the thing. We have the polaroid photographs from the police. We have uh, the analysis done by um, steel companies at the site. Uh, this is close to Omaha, so there are big, you know, big companies there that that have laboratories. Uh, Ames uh, Research in Iowa did one of the chemical analyses the, the same week when they picked this up. So there was no delay. We know the names of the 11 witnesses. They were all interviewed by the police and the fire, fire chief within an hour of the incident. 
So this is not a UFO case where, well, you know, maybe somebody saw something and, uh, you know, but they won't, don't want to give their name and, and uh, right, we don't know right. the date exactly and uh, we could take you there, but we're not sure where it landed and, you know, that kind of thing. This is real. I mean, we know where it is. We have the pictures. We have the maps. We have, I mean, the police, uh, the chief of police was there. The fire chief got there in his car. Uh, when the, the the grass was still burning, the the thing was liquid. Okay, when it fell, so it, it's hard to tell that you know who is going to uh, create a hoax with uh, a few hundred kilograms of uh, of uh, liquid steel. Uh, you know, the, the temperature was below zero at the time. Uh, this was close to this was late December. 1978, uh, so they couldn't even have cooled it without leaving ice there. There was no ice. So we, we know uh, from all the investigations, we know it's not a hoax. There was no source of liquid steel at that time. This was a weekend. Uh, the, uh, the one factory, you know, some distance away that might have been Working with steel was was uh, was closed for for the weekend. Um, so uh, and there was that thing in the sky that went away. Well, see, so it's it's a methodology paper, and I know yes. that ufologists are going to say, well, you know, how come they don't have you know more information about yeah, the UFO and so on? Well, you know, the yeah. UFO is gone. See, and that's the I guess that's the part that for me as an outsider looking at this. I feel a frustration, and I wonder if you also are frustrated at the fact that after many years of having some materials and having some preliminary tests done with new technologies, that so far it sounds like that if it was if it was absolutely proven that some of these materials were not manufactured on Earth, um, wouldn't that be big news? And yet, would the governments of the world even allow or confirm that kind of an announcement? But I'm getting the sense from you that maybe of all the tests that have been done so far, nothing has been shown to be exclusively with an origin off the earth. Am I correct with that? Yes. You know, Hmm. all the elements are created inside the stars. Yeah. By, you know, by... Uh, by thermo, you know, thermonuclear reactions. So um, they uh, they are known. I mean, uh, you know, there there may be varia- variations that we haven't seen in a particular configuration. But but essentially, you know, when we we get spectra from from all, all the stars and galaxies and so on, and they show the lines of the elements we know on Earth. You know, we can uh, recognize that. As you know, uh, my background was in astrophysics. So yes. I haven't practiced it in, in many years since I, I went into computer science and other mm-hmm. things. But uh, I went back to that when I worked with uh, with Professor Sturrock at Stanford for a couple of years. But the, uh, you know, the elements are known. Uh, we, can, we can see the same, the same things everywhere. Um, so, uh, no, uh, the, the, the thing at Council Bluffs, we could blend 
it's unusual. I mean, uh, we've obviously had metallurgist experts reviewing our paper, which, you know, delayed publication by six months. So we all know a lot more about metallurgy now than we did before. Uh, but the, uh, the the elements are known. Uh, and we could mix them to approximate what was there. It's not normal. It's not quite normal steel. So we don't quite understand why somebody would carry that in, in an aircraft or a spacecraft. But that's happened in other places. So uh, that's the mystery. That's what yeah. we have to work with. And are, But are you frustrated that so far... Uh, with all the tests that have been done. I mean, as you know, I was there with you in Gary Nolan's laboratory, and I saw the piece of equipment that he's using there, and it was extraordinary just to look at. And to to have a, a, a piece of equipment, an apparatus that can actually look at something all the way down to the atomic structure, and then to have the results come back and say, well, yeah, we spent all this money on this, and all it's telling us is that this is something that can be found in the universe. That would be frustrating to me. Well, um, even if I'm not sure that we would have picked up a different case anyway, in the fact that the material turned out to be uh, not common, but made right. of elements we know that are not uh, altered in terms of the atomic structure is good because the, 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 there, there was a, a strategy behind this this publication. Th this is a big publication. It's a number one international publication in aerospace. Okay, okay? it's read by everybody, NASA, you know, all the companies and so on. It's read, published in England. It's read everywhere. So we we wanted to. This is the the kind of publication that has always rejected. Anything having to do with UFOs. Yeah, okay? yeah. So the fact that not only did they publish that, but they invited it, you know, tells you something. The world has changed. We want to be pioneers in that. We want to open an avenue for other researchers. Again, this isn't just us. I mean, we happen to have this extraordinary case where everything is known. You cannot, the skeptics have not raised any question about the paper, okay? I mean, they've, no, nobody has said we were faking the results or, or that the witnesses had been lying or any of that. There is no way. You can't do that, okay? I mean, we have, we have the police, we have the thing, we have the Air Force. The Air Force was interested. There was a very friendly exchange with the Air Force mm -hmm. uh, and Air Force experts, because the, the Air Force uh, had a, a re-entry of a satellite, which was a Russian radioactive satellite that crashed in Canada. So the, the, the Soviet Union at the time uh, told, um, told the Air Force that this was going to crash either in the northern United States or southern Canada, and that you know, they apologized profusely, but they said, you know, if you find it, we'd like to get it back. And those are, you know, good practice internationally, even though this was a spy satellite, obviously. So uh, the, the Air Force was wondering if it was a piece of that. So they were very interested and they collaborated completely 
with the research. In fact, they gave up at one time because it didn't look like it. And then they came back, you know, a month later. They said, oh, do you still have that that piece of metal, you know, that you, you guys were studying? So there was, it's an example of everybody working together very well. Uh, right at the time, I mean, within an hour when the thing crashed. Then, you know, one, the, the, the cops in uh, in Council Bluffs were wondering, you know, this is close to an airport. Well, the, the airport was closed. Uh, well, uh, it could still have been an, an aircraft. There are B-52s have a base, you know, about 100 miles northeast of there. So they called the Air Force and said, uh, did one of your B-52s drop some, some uh, liquid steel? And, you know, the Air Force laughed. And they, they said, well, you know, we, we, we can carry big things, but you know, we, don't, we don't carry furnaces uh, for metallurgy uh, in a B-52. Okay, come on. So they they became involved in the research and so on. So everybody was cooperating completely. So we knew we had a case that could not be taken apart the way all the cases you see, you know, in the UFO literature and so on. The, you know, a, 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 a good skeptic, and there are many good skeptics, are going to ask, the, you know, the scientific questions. And uh, here we pretty much knew that everything was wrapped up. And you know, it's the, great that uh, the, uh, the, uh, the composition turns out to be something we understand. Uh, what we don't understand is where it came from and what that object was. Because they, they, there are, uh, when you, so I, I went into the literature, I found some papers, some, um, you know, uh, aeronautics papers that show flying objects that carry rotating um, metal. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, with, uh, to, to generate current. And in, when you need very, very high currents aboard, you know, um, an aircraft or a spacecraft. But you don't, you don't carry steel. Right? You don't carry liquid steel. Right. So there are very few um, elements that are the same. Uh, as uh, what we found in in the analysis that that are known in in the literature, so you know it's still it's a mystery. And uh, but now that that paper is published, we've we've set a standard for 
other people to publish. And as you may know, a number of scientists now are coming into the field and have have an interest and have things to publish themselves, in, including, of course, the, the, the Harvard group at uh, Galileo, who is starting to, to publish their own. I mean, they are not that interested in, in, in crashes, but they are interested in, in you know, other parts of the, uh, the, the, the scientific problem. And uh, right, now we're going to see a number of scientific publications on every aspect of, of this whole thing, and it's wonderful. And yeah, I'm, for, I'm, for, for people uh, who for people have lived long enough to see that. Well, and for people me, who don't know, new, that people, means a new phase, you know, in what I'm going to be doing. What the Galileo but, project is uh, that's coming out of uh, Harvard University is uh, put together by Avi Loeb. There, uh, they're actually they've got teams that are now looking at the possibility of of finding some kind of technological signature of something from very far away that that we can detect. And I'm not just talking about a radio signal that's just trying to say hi to us. They're looking for some some actual solid matter that might be moving in our direction, whether whether it's manned or not manned, or it has or if it's remotely controlled or is is a drone or a probe like the ones we've sent out beyond our solar system, like the Voyager, the two Voyager but, you know, it, It's very rare in science that you have one thing. Uh, you know, I mean, Oumuamua was unique, but maybe we weren't looking for things like that because we didn't realize it could exist, you know. And yeah. I, I think that's part of the reasoning of uh, Dr. Loeb. Uh, you know, now that we've we've seen one, I mean, uh, somebody happened to catch it, you know. <laughs> that, that's how it was reported. And, and then they had time to get, you know, a few data points on it, and then it was gone. Was gone at an extraordinary speed. Yeah. So, uh, they, but they once you see one, you you start looking for the others. The the other yes. thing we could find in in that vein is signals that uh com that resonate with with life, you know. Uh, and of course, you know, SETI has been looking for that, but SETI was looking for things with such a negative attitude that they, they they sort of biased their own instruments. And that that happens also in science. That you don't want to believe in that something could exist, so when it's right in front of you, you don't see it. That's happened before. It's happened for the, the Van Allen belts, for example, of radiation around the, uh, you know, uh, uh, around the earth uh the uh, those uh, you know those things were not thought that they could exist so they never built a detector uh, at, at at first that would uh, that could go that high in, Jacques, in let, me, let me let me interrupt you for a second because we've just hit our break now but hold on to that thought about the van allen velk um, stay with us, everyone. When we come back, we're going to continue this discussion and we're going to get into some other things about UFOs. Uh, I'm Lee Spiegel. You're listening to Edge of Reality Radio on KGRADB.com. You can tug all day long on a carpet that's been glued to the floor. Then you hurt. 
There are many strong glues out there. Let's see, there's liquid nails and Gorilla Glue. You ever try to remove 3M5200? That adhesive is strong. Then there's bathroom caulk, silicone rubber, adhesive tape, super glue, flex tape, and stickers. Graffiti. Scientists have come up with glues that stay stuck and can't be removed. Until now. Until Handyman Formula by DeBond. That's right. 95% of adhesives become unstuck when you spray Handyman Formula directly on them. Just spray, wait a few minutes, and remove. It's amazing. Most adhesives become unstuck when you use Handyman Formula. Visit DeBondCorporation.com or MCMaster.com. Call 561-575-4200. This stuff really works. Handyman Formula by DeBond, a great Christmas gift. Why is it we're not very good with our health regimen? until it's too late. We don't put oil in the car until the engine blows up. When the body's out of balance, your health is not so good. Give your body some love. Log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Try our Life Change Tea, which cleanses you from harmful intruders. A clean colon is one of the ways to bring the body in balance. We also carry organic supplements to help you get where you need to go. So do your body a favor. Log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. You can even visit our sales page to save some dough. Uh, Does anybody call money dough anymore? Anyway, if you're looking for short, helpful health tips, go to YouTube and punch in Health Matters Now. That's Health Matters Now. So, log on to GetTheTea.com, shop, get balanced, then learn some cool tips at Health Matters Now. You'll be glad you did. That's GetTheTea.com. Folks, this is very important information. What's to be said about CBD? AncientLifeOil.com. Our CBD is made from hemp and has 0.003 THC, which means this wonderful product won't get you high. No matter what amount you take, what does CBD do for the body? My hands are tied, but you can Google CBD benefits and be astounded. When you're finished reading, you'll want to log on to ancientlifeoil.com. That's ancientlifeoil.com and purchase. Life is good when you feel good. People are tired of pain. People are asking for non-GMO organic products to help them with (laughs) You fill in the blank. Legal in 49 states, and again, our CBD is made from hemp. Ancient Life Oil is about helping people one by one by one. If you wonder how good the product is, the CEO takes it every day without miss. AncientLifeOil.com. That's AncientLifeOil.com. Have a great day. You're listening to the KGRA Digital Broadcasting Network. We provide unparalleled coverage of trending news in the world of ufology, cryptozoology, and paranormal phenomenon. Whether you're watching our video live stream or listening to one of our audio programs, you are getting the best from world-renowned researchers and hosts, guiding you through topics the mainstream won't touch. Miss one of your favorite programs? No problem. Head over to the members area at KGRADB.com for access to our massive library of award-winning content. Make contact, stay connected, only at KGRADB.com. Now you have the inside contact for Alternative Talk Radio. These guys are the best. 
KGRATV.com. And we're back on Edge of Reality Radio on KGRADB.com. I'm Lee Spiegel, and tonight my guest is astronomer, astrophysicist, and computer scientist Jacques Vallée. Jacques, before the break, we you were talking about uh, science and uh, the Van Allen belt and the things that we have discovered over the years in trying to, to, uh, to find things that are going on out there, especially with the new technologies that are actually looking for things in science that we can't explain. It's kind of hard to start from that point of view, isn't it? Where you don't even know about something and and yet you want to learn about it. So it, it sounds like a kind of a risk that science is always taking to learn new things. Well, you know, the history of astronomy is is the history of that, of, of things that nobody thought could exist or yeah. nobody really imagined that they, they could exist. Uh, and very often the, the big discoveries are made by uh, graduate students or people who happen to take a, a special interest in, uh, in, uh, in a particular phenomenon that is bizarre. Uh, and the um, of course galaxies are, you know, people like great astro- astronomers of the past uh, had um, noticed uh, clouds of diffuse light in the sky, you know, and they they call them galaxies, which mm-hmm. comes from the the Greek word for milk, because they were sort of milky spots in the sky that didn't move, so they were not stars, but they they were among the stars, and they, you know, as the Earth. Uh, rotated, they they seem to move with the stars, but they they were not like planets that move on their own in their own trajectory. So uh, those were uh, were thought to be just clouds. And then, as uh, astronomy became better, especially you know in places like Mount Palomar uh, near Los Angeles with an extraordinary telescope in the in the fifties and sixties. Uh, and uh, the uh, well, you know, actually, even you know, be, be before that, um, the at, uh, also at uh, Yerkes Observatory and, and of course at Mount Palomar, people started seeing that those so-called clouds had little stars in them, and then <laughs> as yeah. the instrumentation got better and better. My God, you know that meant that the we were in one of those little clouds, and there were billions of other clouds, as Carl yeah. Sagan would say, far, far, far away. The distance of the universe just was multiplied by many thousands, and so. But nobody had expected that. Everybody thought that the universe was a universe of stars with little uh, whitish, uh, dirty clouds. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In it, uh, the dirty clouds <laughs> yeah, yeah. were galaxies as big as ours, or bigger than ours, all over, all over the sky, at billions of you know light years away. So that 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 keeps happening. Of course, meteorites was another example. Nobody believed that you know those stones could fall from the sky until oh, yeah. w- one time in France, so many fell <laughs> that the young astronomer actually went there. I mean, what a concept! You go there and you talk to the farmers, you know, and you talk to the the women in the market, you know, and you you ask them, you know, what what were those stones? And they show you the stones and. And you find that uh, you know there's no way they could come from there, and they actually fell from the sky, and that was that was a big discovery, discovery of meteorites, you know, in the eighteen in the nineteenth century, eighteen forty something, and you know astronomy changed, and that's the way that's why science is so exciting. You know, um, listening to you talking about how what we didn't know about galaxies a long time ago. Space.com recently reported that a new sky map uh, has been put together that suggests more than 4 million galaxies and stars, four more, four million more than we knew uh, you know, ahead of this out there in the cosmos. And it, it's only mind boggling when you consider that we already knew that there were a lot m- more galaxies than four million, and but you just take these four million, for example, and and, and this is not that are spread out all across the visible universe. It's in like one section of the sky that Hubble telescope has given us back these incredible images, and and I, I often talk about this how many of those galaxies are made up of billions of stars or suns. People don't often equate the fact that a star is a sun and that that astronomers now believe a big majority of those suns have planets orbiting them. So the the sheer numbers of all of this are, well, okay, uh, astronomical. And and, and I already know, because I'd like to follow some of this information, I believe that the number of exoplanets, that means planets outside of our own solar system, uh, that we're up to almost 5,000 exoplanets that have been confirmed. And that's that's amazing. And and so well, now we've got... It is amazing, but, yeah. you know, uh, Dr. Hynek at Northwestern, when, yeah. when I was there in the 60s, was, was teaching his students that there was a high probability in in those days, you know, we didn't have those numbers, we didn't have those right. that, that the the evidence, but just based on astrophysics, a high probability that slowly rotating yellow stars, like the sun, right, um, would have formed in in their evolution, you know, would have formed a a, 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 a series of planets around them. And that we we should expect. So we we know what's you know the the proportion of slowly rotating yellow stars 
in our neighborhood, you can extrapolate from that, yeah. and you get a pretty good idea. And that, you know, you, you you get to millions. This was in the 60s. Now, nobody was paying much attention to that because people thought, still thought, you know, maybe life is unique to the Earth because, you know, you look at all the probabilities. You have to have water, so you shouldn't be too close to the star, to the sun. You shouldn't be too far away because it's going to be frozen. You shouldn't be too close because it's going to be vapor. Uh, you shouldn't have too many catastrophes like big, you know, big boulders falling on your head. Uh, you you have <laughs> yeah. to have you know you have to be protected from radiation, and that's where you know the the uh, the, the earth is good because we have these layers that protect us. Uh, the uh, you know you have all those things. But so it, it when you go through all that, it looks so unlikely. So maybe it's uh, you know one chance in a hundred thousand. But if you have billions of stars, and you have billions of yellow stars, yeah, if, yeah. and you have billions of slowly rotating yellow stars, you know you're going to get there. And, uh, and now we know that it's not just uh, slowly rotating yellow stars. You know many many stars have have that kind of thing. Now, you, you want a star that's relatively stable, though. I mean, there, there are, you know, out of the 5,000 stars, there may be only, you know, a, a handful or two hands that would lead to life as we know it. Right. But another paper that we wrote for, for SETI, they never published it because for, you know, any kinds of reasons, but um, uh, three, three of us, Dr. Nolan and 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 I, uh, and and, uh, and another physicist, published that that paper on saying you shouldn't just look for civilization like like ours. You should look at life extended. Yes, uh, life uh, as we know now. As as you were saying when. You know, when we started life in in volcano in, uh, uh, in, in volcano vents at the bottom of the ocean, there is life there, and yeah. they don't have access to light. They don't have right. access to uh, too much uh, oxygen, you know, and, and blends of atmospheric data as we know as we know it. Life at the bottom of the ice at the South Pole, you know, why not take that into account? Why not take uh, life based on other electromagnetic uh, environments yeah. when we know? Yeah, it's and, like and why, then, why, then why, you why, why? all that, and and then <laughs> life becomes common. It becomes ordinary. It, it, it exactly. It's like why, why should we pay attention to either the hard-nosed skeptics or the debunkers who say, well. It's a very low probability that we're going to find life as we know it. Who cares about life as we know it? Wouldn't we rather find life that's just life, that, that it has intelligence and and uses that intelligence for its own purposes and for its own well-being? Why does it have to be life as we know it? I, I, I always get a little crazy uh, about that that information. Well, you know, we'd like to communicate with it, and uh, that's uh, one of the topics that was discussed in 
in Texas uh, last week, you know, in Houston at that conference. Yeah. Um, you know what? Um, what does it mean? How does it? How does it do mathematics? Uh, how does it think about uh, creation? How does it think about God? How does it think about um, uh, life and you know? Uh, what it means to be alive and so on. Right, so we'd, right. We'd like to, you know, we expect that they're going to come in with some answers to to our questions. And they may, and they may have questions for us that they're looking for answers. Uh, it, yes, it, well, it's, I, I can think of a couple. Like, why are you <laughs> are you killing your, you know, other humans in? Europe well, right now. well, well, yeah, and pe people wonder. <clears throat> well, why don't the UFOs just suddenly show themselves and announce that they're here to help us? Well, well I don't. I, I've said this before. I don't think they want to issue us an invitation to join their federation of planets. Quite frankly, <laughs> because why? why? Well, I, I think they they go by a different tune. You know, yeah, they, they have they have their own uh, purpose. Uh, their own uh, uh, form of intelligence. And, of course, that's something that I've tried to think about uh, in, you know, in AI. I mean, my uh, my advanced degree was, uh, was in AI applied to astrophysics, but I've done a lot more AI than I've done astrophysics by now. Um, and I, I think that those are going to be the tools that we can use on top of uh, all the analysis and, uh, and all of that. The last time you were on this show, we were all waiting to see the results of a special report on UFOs that the United States intelligence agencies were preparing for Congress. And that was a year ago, June. Uh, and as, as you know, <clears throat> two versions of that report when they were finally released, one was an unclassified short version, and then there was also a longer classified one that, of course, wasn't given to the public. In in your opinion, Jacques, did any of the report that they released to the public, did it add any new transparency for us about UFOs? So uh, let me... Uh... And maybe reframe the question in a different way. Okay. I think the, what precipitated what you're describing, namely the, the new interest, you know, of the Pentagon, yes, um, and the the intelligence community, comes from instrumentation. You know, before they they had reports from pilots, and as you know, I went through hundreds of, of them, actually thousands of them, mm. in the Air Force files very early, and, and since then in the French files and, and elsewhere. But uh, it's still human testimony. It's human testimony you respect because it comes from uh, you know trained pilots, trained observers, and so on. But it's nothing like what we've had in the last five years or ten years with sensors, that uh, correlate, you know, between a pilot sees something, you have a thermal image, you may, if you're lucky, you have a picture, mm -hmm. and then you have a radar, you may have the radar from the plane and the radar from the fixed uh, or, you know, floating platform down down there, and then you can you can do all kinds of things with that. And, and then you cannot say that it wasn't there. 
You know, it right. was there right. was something there. The question is, what was it? And to me, the turning point was the director of uh, Central Intelligence, who is uh, also the director of the CIA, but she she is more than the director of the CIA. She's a DCI saying in a church, you know, in Washington at the National Cathedral, that we have failed to understand the UFO phenomena. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's an extraordinary statement for, uh, you know, the chief of intelligence of the United States of America. And that's, it's very, uh, yeah. It's a very plain statement that it's also an indictment of science, you know? I mean, where, what have the scientists done all this time, okay? I mean, th there are only so many things that, that as, um, you know, uh, Captain, or later Major Quintanilla used to tell me, uh, you know, in, in, in Dayton, we're not set up and were not financed by the American taxpayer to do scientific research. I mean, we do research oh, yeah. to the extent that it, it helps aviation, and we fund it at universities and so on, but that, you know, you guys are scientists, why don't you do the research? And and he was right, you know, the, the Air Force isn't, isn't there to do that kind of research. They can gather the data and pass it on, and they certainly could have done a better job of that. But, you know, the burden is on science. And uh, it, it's not even on on the intelligence guys. You know, I mean, they have other things to do. They certainly track um, uh, scientific developments of other countries, and other countries are the same thing with us in terms of technology, of advanced technology. But it's advanced technology. They rarely go into fundamental science except in, um, uh, in, in computer science. And, uh -huh. and yet, even though they have other things that they're responsible for, there are many people that will say, but wait a minute, what is more important than this kind of technology, if it even is a technology that we're talking about, this is like the biggest story of all time. Now, I know that when I say something like that, I can I can hear the voices of the naysayers right now, you know, pummeling me on the head right now saying, no, you can't say it's the biggest story of all time. And yet you can't convince me that it's not the biggest story. Uh, well, uh, yeah. it's uh, it is a big story for you and me, because we, we like to think of what comes next and what else is there. But uh, most people lead normal lives. Yeah. And as long as the phenomenon doesn't interfere, I mean, look at, um, you know, global warming. Uh, I mean, by, by now, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious what's going on. It's pretty obvious. That it, so, uh, you need to take notice of that and discuss it and discuss it with skeptics and and so on and build the arguments and look at it because it interferes with us. You know, I mean, we, we right. see it right. in the number of storms. We see it in uh, ch changes. We see it in pandemics. 
you know, epidemics that are now going to be one after the other because of global warming. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah. going to see, you know, changes in the poles, and we're going to to see all of that. You see it in insect life. You see it in animal life. You see it in birds. You see it, I mean, if you pay attention to nature, nature is changing in a way that's irreversible. You know, you're not going to, yes. you know, to, to, to tell those birds to go where they came came from in Africa, you know, once they're adapted to the warmer uh, climates of Northern Europe. So, the, so those things are interfering with us. UFOs don't. I mean, they show up and they give us a good excuse for, you know, a, a funny uh, movie on, on TV and so on. Right, right. But they... Uh, it's, you know they don't really blow up anything they they may they may have an impact on people uh, that come close to it they have an impact on their health and right. uh, some an impact on consciousness globally uh, the ufo is is a very rare symbol to humanity it's something that's recognized everywhere including you know, some primitive regions in Brazil and so on, people are aware of them. They call them yes. different names, but they know, <clears throat> yeah. you know, they, they recognize the same thing and the same symbol. There are very, very few symbols. I think the the only symbol that's recognized pretty much everywhere around the world is the the logo of Shell, Shell Oil. Oh, <laughs> of Shell Oil? And, and the, yeah. next, the next is uh, Coca-Cola. Oh, is that I mean, right? For, for obvious reasons, I mean that's yeah. marketing, and uh, but uh, the and, and of course the shell has a, a long history because it was a, a religious symbol for yes. um, people yes. traveling for the church. So those, it's very very rare that you have something that all of humanity recognizes, and that's that's of course why. Uh, you know, uh, psychologists are so interested in it. Anthropologists well, are interested in it. Uh, well, you know, I, I was fascinated. I'm glad you mentioned the symbolism, the religious stuff. I was fascinated recently to see an article in a publication called The Times of India. And it reported and it showed 10,000-year-old rock paintings that seem to reveal aliens and UFOs. And it automatically made me think of your book, Wonders in the Sky, where you and Chris Arbach systematically researched more than 500 reports. And, and these were many historical moments from around the world of unexplained sightings from biblical ages up through the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. And again, as you know, I'm, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir when I'm talking to you about this. There are, there are many examples through history where humans recorded their interactions with unusual looking people who came to Earth from strange vehicles in the sky. Are we just supposed to disregard all of these close encounters and are we supposed to write them off as some kind of religious symbolism? Because that's what the church has has said over and over again. Oh, that beam of light that came on a circular object that was above the head of Mary and the Madonna. Well, it's it's religious symbolism. 
what symbolism? What is it a symbol of? And and I can't get a straight answer answer about that. Well, at uh, at Rice University, yeah, we discussed. I, I I brought up the case of Saint Francis in twelve twenty four, the early thirteenth century, is uh, praying with his other monks in the forest, um, and they see an object in the sky. There are several descriptions of it. There is an, an amazing engraving. Um, and I, I have a, I, I bought a copy of it in in uh, in Paris. There are only, uh-huh. I think, three existing copies of it. But it's uh, it shows an object in the sky with beams, collimated beams. In other words, yeah. yes. parallel beams hitting Saint Francis yeah. and hitting his hands. Yeah. And uh, of course, he he developed. You know the marks on his hand that were the marks, the same marks as Christ, and died two years later, um, in you know apparently in, in great pain. Mm-hmm. That he welcomed because he thought that was his sacrifice, you know, for uh, the the vision that he had, which to him was a revelation. Of, of God, and mm-hmm. his uh, some of his monks wrote about this, and that's why we know, uh, you know what what happened. Brother Leo has left a, a description of it, which is preserved, and and some of uh, data is uh, preserved at the Vatican uh, as well. Um, the and. The, there are a number of cases that we found that Chris Holbeck and I found in the archives, maybe not no, no, not a huge number, but maybe 10 or 20, where there were physiological effects left. Uh, again, this yeah. is, you know, yes. in previous ages. The, the catalog we have stopped, stops in 1858. So it stops before 1860. Because after 1860, you've got the rigid bones, you've got yes. I mean, yes. the human technology changes. So yeah. we wanted to stop before that, before the modern age. But, um, you know, as you said, 500 cases in which there are a couple of dozen cases of the same thing that we find now, paralysis, uh, interference with vision, uh, interference with um, with the... Uh, the, the nervous system, yeah, uh, yeah. injuries, burns, you know, all the things that people describe now, and including, you know, abductions, including things that we think of as things that have just happened in, yeah. in America, you know, last week. Well, I don't guess again, you know, <laughs> those things go way back. And the physiological effects go way back. And I, and I, have, we a, should I have take a, that into account. I have a two-word explanation before we hit the break now, of what what this is all about, even with the current experiences of people. It's two words that explains it all. And those two words are religious symbolism. And now we need to <laughs> yeah. we need to take our break away now. <laughs> when, when, okay. when we come back, it's more with Dr. Jacques Vallée. And I, I have a couple of other things I want to talk to him about before the end of the show. And I'm just really curious. I'm I'm getting more and more interested in what's going on on Mars and what 
perhaps we're not being told about. Gee, I can't imagine what that could be. I'm Lee Spiegel. This is Edge of Reality Radio on KGARADB.com. We'll be right back. Every two seconds, someone needs blood. Whether it's a natural disaster or one single child suffering from illness, the American Red Cross stands ready to supply blood when it's most needed. But blood is a perishable product. Therefore, it must continuously be replenished. You can safely donate blood every 56 days. The need is constant and patients are waiting. Call your American Red Cross at 1-800-GIVE-LIFE to schedule your life-saving appointment. Please give blood today. Patients are depending on you. A birthday without her mom. An anniversary without her husband. Her wedding day without her dad. These are the days when military families feel it most of all. The loss of their soldier, their sailor, their airman, their marine, their coast guardsman. Families never forget their loved ones lost to war or illness or suicide. Families never forget. And neither do we. We are TAPS, the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. We provide resources, support, and comfort to heal the hearts and meet the needs of grieving military families, all at no cost to them. Your generosity can make an enormous difference in the lives of the families of our fallen military heroes. Our military families need to know they are not alone and they are not forgotten. Show them your support at TAPS.org. We can't use it. We can't afford it. We were lied to, and we couldn't prove the lies. My husband and I had no way out. We purchased a timeshare. Soon, Leo took on a night job to pay timeshare bills. That wasn't good. So I cruised the net and found LegalTimeshareHelp.com. Remember that name if you own a timeshare. LegalTimeshareHelp.com. Here's what they did for us. Terminated the maintenance fees, targeted the debt, and resolved it to zero. Removed the timeshare account from credit reports, stopped debt collectors, and stop foreclosure. They defend, recover, and restore credit. LegalTimeshareHelp.com will help you. 100% guaranteed. They will terminate your timeshare financial obligation. They're the only consumer advocacy company licensed by the Department of Financial Regulation. Now, Leo and I go out for sunset strolls. Want to know more? For a free consultation, call 877-407-9373. That's 877-407-9373. Or visit LegalTimeshareHelp.com. You're listening to the KGRA Digital Broadcasting Network, a world leader in the exploration of paranormal phenomenon. KGRADB.com allows viewers an inside look at alternative topics from the best researchers and hosts, guiding you through vital information the mainstream won't touch. Just in case you miss one of your favorite programs, Head over to the members area at KGRADB.com for access to the library of award-winning content. Make contact, stay connected, only at KGRADB.com. You're listening to the KGRA Digital Broadcast Station, Hudson Valley, New York, Salt Lake City, Utah. Back on Edge of Reality Radio, I'm Lee Spiegel, talking with Jacques Vallée, 
Um, Jacques, there's something I want to ask you about that has just been <laughs> on my mind a lot. And and I realize that you you haven't had a chance to uh, to look at some of the uh, the images that I know I sent you because I know you're getting ready to to take this big trip. But but something that we can talk about further. But there's something that I've been interested in learning about about Mars. Things that have been photographed by several of the rovers over many years, the the Opportunity, the Curiosity rover, the more recent one, the Perseverance. Even going back to the days when I was a writer on the Huffington Post, I did stories that highlighted images of things that were posted by various people on YouTube. And these were things that were claimed to be evidence of a past civilization up there. Objects that look like pieces of mechanical devices or an occasional spoon or possible statues or buildings. And at the time, most of these claims were debunked as either tricks of the camera or misinterpretations by those who looked at the pictures that were explained as just natural Martian geological formations over thousands of years. And then and there were claims that anyone with any knowledge of how to manipulate photos could very easily Photoshop artificial items and put them into pictures of Mars. That was then, but now we have these three highly technological vehicles, rovers on Mars, and the images they've been transmitting back to Earth are really quite amazing. I've been collecting some of the videos that NASA has released and space.com and livescience.com from NASA raw image photos. Now, I'm not a scientist, but to my eye, some of the things that are being photographed on Mars really looks like evidence of a once thriving civilization that lived there a long time ago. And you know, we have better, the technology that's on Mars now, it's giving us high definition photos so we can get closer to things and see what they are. But I'm seeing images of things like human or animal bones and skeletons. Don't laugh yet, okay? Um, the same video that shows this also includes what appears like the remains or wreckage of buildings that were apparently destroyed in the distant past. Uh, as if some calamity or catastrophe happened on the red planet. Uh, another image from one of the rovers looks like some kind of an ancient mural on the side of large rocks. It's very similar to Egyptian hieroglyphics. Uh, there's another picture that, that shows an object that looks like it fell off of a machine. And immediately to the right of it, there's a whole pile of what looks like circular beads. And it's just one thing after another, after another. And I can't imagine, Jacques, that every one of these pictures have been simply created in someone's office on a computer and posted online. Because many of the pictures, like I mentioned, include links to NASA raw images where anyone can go to and see the original stuff. I, I, I don't know what else to say about this, Jacques, but I'm frustrated, but really interested in this. Well, um, I think you, you stated it very well. I mean, it, the, uh, uh, the, the, those images, I, I've looked at just a couple of them. I just didn't have time to go through the, the, the whole thing. Right, right. The, the first thing, of course, is to check 
where they came from. Right. And uh, I mean, you know, a phone call to uh, JPL would, or an email would confirm, you know, I think they should confirm that it's their their equipment. Um, my, you know, I've always been fascinated with Mars, like many people, mm-hmm. um, because Mars, we, we are taught that Mars could have harbored life a long, long time ago before it lost its atmosphere. So, or most, I mean, most of its atmosphere. So, uh, the, I, I came to the U.S., you know, hired at the University of Texas by Dr. De Vaucouleur, who was one of the, one of the great experts on Mars for decades, for the, since the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Uh, I was there in 1962 and 63, working, among other things, on a map, of, uh, uh, you know, an improved map of Mars for NASA, because NASA was launching uh, probes that were going to uh, return images of Mars, and it's useless to have an image when you don't know it's an image of what. So the the, the precision of the the geographic precision um, wasn't good enough from the maps of Mars that had been produced before by visual observers uh, or photographs, but mostly by visual observers right. to. Uh, pin down exactly where those features that were going to come from the the Mariner spacecraft were going to fit. So we we needed to get a map quickly that was 10 times better. And that's what my program did. Um, So it was uh, that the University of Texas had the contract and we had the big computers to do it. And this was essentially, uh, you know, a mathematical problem, uh, uh, the problem of, uh, of of reducing errors among many many uh, waves of data to 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 get better coordinates for features on Mars. So I have that background, uh, and of course after that we we turned over the map to to NASA. NASA used it to place those images, and after that they had obviously much better maps. And, and at, at that point, uh, my, my map, oh, it wasn't a map, it was really a, a list of num- a whole list of numbers, uh, but uh, that became useless. But after that we had good maps, and as we got better and better probes, we got better and better description of the features. Yeah. As we once did with the moon. Now, I remember when I was still in France, and, you know, as an astronomer uh, and as a satellite, uh, uh, satellite tracker and reducer at Paris Observatory, there was a time when there was a lot of excitement in astronomy that was kept secret, which was very interesting because I knew uh, I knew the the main observers of uh, the moon at the time. It seemed from the pictures of the moon that there were domes on the moon. Ah, and we've got, we've got just just, uh, just under a minute white, That were almost perfect. That looked like igloos, you know, like. Uh, yeah, I've seen those. And uh, they were, you know, at, at the resolution of the picture, they they really looked perfect. 
perfect half half sphere. So the question was, you know, was there either a civilization now or the explorers or uh, aliens or whatever, or could there have been such a thing in the past? So that was, they did not want to release that to the public okay. until they had an answer. And yeah. they uh, they found better uh, uh better ways to zero in on those features than uh, what what we had with the primitive uh, uh, probes that that NASA had at the time and uh, better resolution it turned out those were big boulders under special lighting conditions and we we all learned a lesson from that and they were not artificial and now that we've been on the moon we know that you know there there is no such thing there so you okay. can be fooled and remember people say oh look it looks like a tree well yeah it looks like a tree but if if you wait half a day the uh, sun angle is going to change oh yes the light is okay. going to change the shadows are going to change and it's not going to look like a tree at all and you remember the face on mars you know, that was just uh, this I remember. great sculpture yes. that yeah. primitive Martians had done. There are books about that. And, well, you know, once we got better resolution pictures, it turned out to be a bunch of boulders. But under the right sun angle, under the right illumination, it really looks like a face, pretty good face. Now, you have to turn the picture around until it lines up but but you know it, it was fun it was a lot of fun well um, I, I thank you thank you thank you you you, no, sir so, you know we're not going to nobody's going to be easily convinced i know but what yeah. i've seen looks strange it, it does look strange now oh, okay. the other thing that's different on mars is that then everything we know either on on the moon where we've been and uh, the Earth, where we are, is we don't know the geological processes are. We don't know how things get eroded. We don't know how things get... You know, when there is a sandstorm on Mars, mm. you don't want to be outside. It happens very fast. Yeah. It can last for days. It can obscure, you know, one-third of the planet for two or three days. And it's, it's sand moving around at tornado speed, and it's going to erode uh, your car if you're there, you know, trying to drive uh, uh, around the, the landscape. So um, those things we don't know yet. We, we we don't know those processes, and that's exactly what JPL is trying to. So I, I would think, you know, an email to somebody at JPL uh, would uh, could could clear up some of those things. I'm sure they are looking at every one of those pictures with uh, yeah. you know, great attention. JPL uh, is an amazing place. If I was starting my, you know, as a young astronomer again, I would go straight to JPL and I would work very hard until they gave me, gave me a, a job there. Well, it's an extraordinary you. place. Thank you, Jacques. You know, I, I look forward to so many upcoming developments on your work. And, and as you know, I, I wish you continued good health, especially with all that work ahead of you. You've got a big trip coming up. And uh, I just want to let everyone know that for more information. And we haven't uh, even talked about Trinity on this, uh, on I, this show. I and know. There are things happening with Trinity. 
and I wish people would read the book because uh, the book is now uh, selling very, very well in, in France as well and uh, getting a lot, uh, lot of people excited at the uh, in Houston at that big meeting we just had a number of people were carrying the book and, and telling me they were just blown away uh, by, by the book. Are still skeptics around saying, well, it's just one little kid. It's not one little kid. Yeah. It's four witnesses, including, uh, including two adults, including a pilot who saw the whole thing, saw the kids there, so we can place everything exactly where it should be. And, uh, you know, there is no other case like it because the kids in question were there for 10 days at the site. There is, you know, nothing like it. And uh, it doesn't take anything away from Roswell. It, it strengthens Roswell. So I don't understand why the Roswell people are saying that this is a hoax or that I made it up. And I'm, I'm getting a little hot under the collar with that because we have so much more data now. And uh, so, you know, people should read the book. It's called Trinity. And it's, it's by Jacques Vallée and Paula Harris. Yes, you should definitely check it out. And you know, my only Paula response... had done the the basic work right. four years before I got there, and I've tried to uh, to to bring up some of the uh, some of the science behind it. Well, again, thank you for bringing it up because I I was going to get to it, but um, we'll we'll do we'll do more of the follow up on that, and maybe the next time you come on the show, um, we'll have some more Mars stuff to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> because well, I'm, uh, you've got me very intrigued because I have a special yeah. place in my heart for for that planet. Oh, I know. Well, thank you so much. I want to let people know if if you're interested in finding out more about Jacques, go to his website, and it is www.jacquesvalet.net. And I'm going to spell his name J A C Q U E S V. A L L E E dot net. That's www.jacquesvalet. Uh, thank you, Jacques. Um, uh, have a great trip, and uh, we'll, we will talk soon. I appreciate you being on the show tonight. Thank you, Lee. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you. Take and care. Thank you. And I'm also sending a loving wish to my wife, Lorraine, who remains my constant inspiration. Thank you also but to Mr. A big kiss for me. Oh well, well, as long as that's coming from you, then you've just made my day. <laughs> well, thank it's you, John. For her, not for you. Oh, okay, okay. That's another conversation. <laughs> um, okay. I, I want to also thank Mr. Bill Skywatcher, who's in the network home studio, hitting all the right buttons that keep us on the air here. Uh, thank you, everyone. I'm Lee Spiegel. This has been Edge of Reality Radio on kgradb.com. And until next time, please be safe, well-informed, and let's remember to keep our minds open out there. <laughs>